0: Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Share a word with you—a word that really has endured for a lot of years now. You know how words change and become popular. That word is cool, cool, right? I mean, that was a word that we used when when I was uh, young, and are they still use that word today? Right? Some things are still cool. Well, I need your help here for a little bit. When we talk about the word cool and what it means, what do we mean? What, what, what do we mean if we talk about something being cool or somebody being cool or us being cool or? What? It's good. It's great. Okay, good. Great. Awesome. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. What does it take to be cool? Above average, okay. This one's cool. But what's it take to be cool, to have someone decide that you're cool? What's it take? What I found is that cool is It's what? It's worldly, so all right. Okay. All right. That's cool, they say. Huh? What else? The, 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 the people deciding that other people are cool. What, what's that about? Okay. What's that? it does change yeah Uh, Man, we're just (laughs) we're not cool that's what somebody said we're not cool we don't understand cool huh well I would say to you that largely in our our world when we're talking about people being cool I mean you know we talk I gotta cool this or that but even then it's largely wrapped up in what somebody else thinks (coughs) right okay now that creates a problem for us. And and I want to demonstrate to you just a little bit here over the next few minutes what part of that problem is, okay? Because what makes you cool now, you may not be able to hang on to. True? All right. So, see, I, I know something about cool because my brother and I started off real cool. Okay? Now... How many of you, do you know which one I am? How many of you think I'm the one on the right? I mean, you're left, I'm sorry, you're left. How many of you think it's the other one? This one wins. All right, so we start off really cool and cute, you know, I mean, everybody does, okay? Um, And I don't know whether or not we were still cute by the time we were done with elementary school, but we had come to believe that what people thought about us was pretty important. We all learn that lesson, don't we? It's not a good lesson, but we learned that lesson. What people thought of us was really important, and we hoped that our appearances and our abilities were enough for other people to view us as being cool. Well, neither my brother nor I were ever viewed as the popular kids. You know, that was reserved for the cheerleaders and the jocks even though we both played athletics, we still tried to look cool by the time we reached high school and and we figured out how to create our own little niche in the music and the drama world where there were people who thought we were cool. Um, What's that? Oh, I wouldn't, yeah, I'm on the other side now. Gone to the dark side. But anyway, so the idea is if you you could work it out to where some people felt you were cool, then then you could feel good about yourself. That's a problem. Well, by the time I got married, I stopped worrying so much about being cool because I just knew that I was. (laughs) At least that's the way I felt because my wife felt that way about me. She hasn't changed much. Uh, But my brother there on this side, he's still experimenting with the, the Bee Gees look You know, it was cool to be cool. And then one thing led to another, and here we are today, my brother and I. <laughs> what in the world happened? Where did the cool go? You you see... Um, this is the problem for us when, we're, we're, when we start to wrap up our lives in determining where we're at and what our value is and all that on the basis of how other people view us. Because at some point, that's totally out of our control, isn't it? I mean, we can try to keep it in our control, but ultimately, it's really out of our control. Now, so it, it gets worse, though, okay? It gets a lot worse because, you know, once I had grandkids, I started to lose all my dignity in an effort to make the grandkids smile, Okay, I, I start taking these pictures of myself and sending them to the grandkids. Anybody relate, anybody besides me? Okay, and, and uh, you know, I've lost all sense of what it means to be cool. In fact, let me prove it to you here, okay? What do you think? Eat your heart out, Ed Carr. (laughs) Thank you, Ray, for the hat. (laughs) Well, somewhere between birth and 57 years old, cool went by the wayside. You know, but but what was behind that drive to be cool lingers on. There's still that, that sense that. I want people to think well of me. I mean, do you want people to think well of you? I mean, we like that, don't we? And and so what other people thought about me, really, really important. For years. And and I won't say that I don't still care. I do still care. But see, here's the problem. Uh, There's nothing, you know, wrong with thinking, hey, I'd like people to like me, and, and thinking about what other people might think of you. But the problem is this is that when you let what other people think about you determine, as I did, what I thought about me. You get that? Becomes a problem when you let what other people think about you determine what you think about yourself. Because that puts your whole sense of who you are in the hands of other people. And that's a bad, bad place to be. Now, can any of you relate to what I'm talking about here today? Okay. Have you ever let the way other people see you affect you and how you live? And you see yourself through their eyes and trying to let that govern you. Here's some examples maybe. How many of you have ever, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever made clothing decisions, whether buying clothes or deciding what to wear with at least a partial concern about what others will think? How many of you have ever found yourself acting a different way around certain people so that they will accept you or approve of you? How many of you have ever gone along with someone who was doing something you knew was wrong because you wanted them to accept you? By the way, this is for all of us, right? Old all the way down to you young people are in today, this is for you too. How many of you have at least found yourself tempted, you may not have done it, but you at least found yourself tempted to abandon a true friend to be accepted into a different, more popular social circle? Or you listen to someone gossip about a friend and you didn't speak up because you didn't want them to reject you? How many of you have ever found yourself Let me back up. How many of you have just finally given up on it? And you've accepted the value that other people place on you. Just, well, that's just the way I am. How many of you have ever reached that point in your life? How many of you have ever found yourself tiptoeing around certain people? Walking on eggshells so that they won't get angry with you, right? (laughs) Living in fear of someone's rejection of you. I mean, we're not talking about being cool anymore. Now we're just talking about what people think and how it affects you. You know, and then you make what turned out to be bad decisions to try to keep someone happy with you. And in a totally different approach to this issue, this is how some people handle it. And there might be some of you here today like this. How many of you have ever tried to make people reject you? So that when they did, you wouldn't have to feel so hurt by it because you're the one who decided. And you do that with your appearance or with your attitude or your actions. You know, the pressure of trying to be accepted by people, and it is pressure. The pressure of trying to be accepted by people, of trying to earn people's approval, or even trying to control what they think of us through our own negative actions. However it goes down, it impacts our lives in really, really huge ways. And at some level, it's a part of all of our past, isn't it? We've all struggled with this at some point in our lives. And unless we can begin getting free from what is really a curse in our lives, we won't be able to finally get past the past and start living free. Because we'll just keep being concerned about what other people think and keep making bad decisions the same way because of it and keep being unhappy with the bad results because of it. So this is a key issue that we have to address to get past our past. We have to stop allowing what other people think of us to to determine what we believe about ourselves. And and which in turn determines then the choices we make and the results that we experience. So we have to put a stop to that somehow. That's a lot easier said than done. Because we've laid down, most of us, years of living that way. And we don't even see. So what do we do about it? Does the Bible have anything to say about it? Well, what's the answer to that? Yes, because God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And and so it teaches us to look at at our lives in a way that can free us from other people's opinions and set us on track with the only two opinions that ultimately count that will set us free. So there's, the Bible's going to tell us, it tells us there are two things we must stop and one thing we must start and continue. So let's jump right into those things here. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The first thing you have to do is tr- uh, stop trying to determine your value by comparing yourself with other people. Now, the Apostle Paul here in, in this book is responding to um, people's statements about him. See, God called Paul to be an apostle, gave him the authority of apostle. That means he can speak the truth to the churches. He can speak with the authority of God to the churches about what needs to happen, about what is right doctrine, what is not, all of those things. And there were some people saying, ah, Paul, he doesn't have that authority. He can't do that. Who is he? In fact, you look at Paul, he's not very sharp looking. He's got an eye problem. Yeah, he sounds tough in his letters, but in person he's a wimp. This is the kind of thing they were saying. And so Paul you know, says, uh, I'm not going to get involved in this whole thing of comparing ourselves with other people. So let's look and see what he, what he says. In verse number 12. By the way, we're on page 1333 in the Bible there in the pews. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says, For we dare not class ourselves... Or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. And here's what I want you to see. He says, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are what? Read those two words with me. Not wise. Not wise. It is not wise to be all the time trying to compare yourself with other people. Say, where do I fit? Where do I measure up? It's not a wise thing because what happens, you start determining your value based on those things. Now, I want you to understand something. This approach to life doesn't even work for those who are popular. You know why? Because it never lets up. They're always driven. They're always having to compare. They're always trying to feel like they aren't good enough. They have to be better. They have to look different. They have to have something new. On and on it goes. It doesn't work. It is not wise to get involved with that. Jump down to verse 17. He says, but he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. In other words, don't don't glory because, wow, compared to this person, I've got it together. Have you ever noticed that you can always find somebody who's worse than you in some area of life? We can always do that, right? And then we also struggle because you almost always find someone who's better in that area of life than us and so that's why we don't wanna go there. What's the point of going there? God says if you're going to glory in something, glory in the Lord. Verse 18, for not he who commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commends. And so here's the deal. You and I have a choice to make. We can approach life looking around and comparing ourselves to other people and, and trying to say, Okay, I'm all right here. I'm all right at this place. Or I can say, God, where do you want me to be? And if I'm there, I'm all right. Which one holds you in bondage? The first one. Which one sets you free? The second one. With the Lord. So you have to stop comparing yourselves to other people. They are not the standard. Now turn to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25. The second thing that you have to stop is letting what other people think about you govern what you think about you. What other people believe about you governing what you believe about you. You know, and we say, ah, oh, we don't do that, but the reality is that we do. Because when you, what you believe about yourself is going to affect everything, isn't it? What you believe about yourself and how you relate to God and you relate to people and your role in this life is going to affect what you do. The decisions that you make, which are going to affect what you experience in life. It's going to affect whether you stay stuck in the past or get free and move forward. Proverbs 29, we're on page 760, verse number 25. This verse was huge in my life, helping me. It says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, if you, like me maybe, you'd say, I'm not afraid of people, right? Right? I'm not afraid of people. But here's the reality. When your life gets driven, starts being driven by what other people think of you, you're afraid of them. You have a fear of them because what they think holds way too much sway in your life. And so... We can be fearful of man and not even realize it when it comes to this area of, of, of letting, you know, what they think of us matter so much. Um, and see this, it is a snare. It is a trap. In other words, a snare, you set a snare up if you've ever done this. You set a snare up to, to catch the small animals or whatever. You don't, you know, put a big bright sign and things. You try to make it so you don't see it. And so you're walking along through life thinking, hey, I got this together. And then, wow, because of what someone thinks, you start to make a decision. You step in the snare and now you're trapped. And your whole world can turn upside down in a hurry. The fear of man is a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. You're going to be safe from all that. Free from all of those traps. Now, now let's, let's walk through some examples of this. If people have treated you like a piece of trash that they can use and dispose of, and then you start believing that about yourself, that that's all I'm good for, you know what you'll do? You'll keep entering into relationships where other people treat you like trash and dispose of you. Haven't you seen it? Haven't you seen that with people? They they go from one bad relationship to the next, to the next. Maybe you've done that. You see, you won't feel good about yourself and then you'll believe it more and more and the cycle will just continue and continue because you're letting someone else determine what you believe about yourself. You're fearing man, not putting your trust in the Lord. Then, then with respect to, let's say, your appearance, if people have communicated to you that you're only valuable if you look a certain way, and does that happen in our culture today? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of weird ways you can look that are cool, but there are ways you gotta look to be cool. If if you have got the message that you're only valuable when you look a certain way and maintain a certain kind of appearance and you start to believe that that's what makes you valuable, you will spend your livelihood on trying to maintain that kind of appearance. Um, And as you get older, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna despair because it doesn't work anymore. Right? Am I right, the appearance thing doesn't work anymore? Some of you aren't, don't look like you're convinced. This is classical midlife crisis stuff. Because what happens is people, you know, have bought into the values of the world around them and so get to caring about what that, and then they try to uh, make themselves look that way and then all of a sudden they reach a point where, wait a minute, this isn't working anymore. And so they, they gotta try really hard and so then they try something new and they break out and run away and do something different. All driven by values that flow from what other people think. And if this whole appearance thing gets tangled up with sexual appeal, and in your life this idea of sexual attraction is how you have learned to interact with people to get what you feel like you need in life, Now, if you begin believing that about yourself, then you will emphasize your appearance in sensual ways. You'll be drawn, most likely drawn, into an ongoing life of immorality. And a sad twist of thinking that goes along with this whole thing it's not unusual for people in this situation to be driven to stop eating and starve themselves because they are so consumed with their appearance and feel really bad about themselves in the process. The fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe, will be safe. You know, if people have made it clear that as long as you can produce good results in whatever it is you're doing, if you can produce those good results, uh, that then you are cool and accepted. And and if you start believing that, that my value is, is what I can do, what I can accomplish, and what I can achieve, you will drive yourself into the ground. You will. You'll drive yourself into the ground. You will sacrifice your relationships for it, and you will give up things of true value just to try to keep feeling like you're valuable. Got to work a little harder, work a little longer, try a little harder. Fear of man is a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So, those two things you have to stop. Stop comparing yourself to other people, and then stop fearing other people, in other words, letting them determine what they think is the most important thing in your life. Okay, then you need to start doing something, and this is what the Bible gives us, a solution to all of this. It's a solution that turns your focus in life away from other people, and really ultimately even away from yourself, and it's described this way in the Bible, fear the Lord, fear the Lord. Now, that's kind of a strange idea to us in a lot of ways, isn't it? Fear the Lord. Well, you know, we're supposed to say, well, he loves us, right? Why would, we don't need to be afraid. Good. Okay, I understand that. But let's just try to understand what the Bible means when it talks about fearing the Lord. You see, fear in itself is not a a bad thing. Fearing the wrong thing is a bad thing. You fear the right thing, that's a good thing. You fear the wrong thing, it's a bad thing. It's the right thing to fear the Lord. So maybe it would be helpful to understand what we mean by fearing is, is by means of comparison, how we see people and God in comparison to each other. all right? So we want to think about the fear of the Lord in this way. When we th- how do we look at people and how do we look at God and compare those to each other? Now let me ask you a quick question here. Who's bigger, God or people? That's easy answer, right? We know all those answers, obviously God, but is it true in our lives? And how we live our lives and how we approach life, is God? Really bigger than the people in our lives? You know, if, if we're letting what people think about us be more important to us than God, see, we've got things messed up. So, what happens in our lives when we believe that people are big and God is small? What happens in our lives? Well, think about it. Who do we focus on? People more than God. Oh, we might keep God over here, you know, and do God some God stuff. But what really matters is what these people in my life think. And, and we've talked about that. What happens is then you start to believe about yourself, the things that they believe about you, and you accept the wrong values, you make the wrong choices, you develop the wrong habits and, the, and wrong goals, and on and on and on and on it goes. It causes big problems for us when people are big and God is small in our lives. Other people's opinions about us begin to become our identity, and that affects how we live our lives, right? You get the labels attached. And by the way, the labels are just, these are bad labels up here, but the, the labels are just as bad if they are good messages, because they're still controlling us. Labels that we end up living by. You see, instead of compare, caring so much about how you compare to other people, start caring about how you compare to, what, to God and what He's called you to do. In other words, fear God. Proverbs 23, verse 17 and 18 says this Don't envy sinners, but always continue to fear the Lord. You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. You may say, Well, I don't envy sinners. Well, don't you? If you're letting what other people think be what's most important to you, why don't you understand? Were those people born sinners? Were they were they born sinners, these, these wonderful people that you're so caring about, they were born sinners? Do, even if they're saved, do they still struggle with sin? Then why are you setting up what they think and what they're like? That's what I want. Envying sinners. Instead of fearing God. It creates all sorts of problems in our lives. And, and the promise is this. He says, if you won't do that, if, you, if you'll say, no, I'm no longer going to let what other people think of me. And, and, and trying to get their approval. I'm not going to let that be what drives me anymore. Instead, I'm going to look to the Lord and say, Lord, what, I want who you are to, to be what drives me. What you want in my life. What you can do. What you've promised. He says that what? You will be rewarded for this. Your hope will not be disappointed. And I guarantee you, you put your hope over here in people and what they're going to do for you and how they're going to make you feel, your hope will be disappointed. Time and time and time again. But you put your hope in the Lord instead, looking to Him for your sense of value. You're you're looking to Him for who you are and His uh, view of you. Proverbs 31, talking about women, but it would apply to men just as well, the principle here. Proverbs 31, verse 30 says, Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. This idea of charm, meaning what can you earn? How can you interact with people? And I can act the right way. But it's deceptive. It doesn't really do for you what you think it does. You see, you got to realize this. When you're trying to work the system for yourself, everybody else is working the system for themselves. And so it's deceptive. It doesn't get you where you think you want to be. And beauty, physical beauty, hey, just goes, doesn't it? But if you fear the Lord, oh, then you will be greatly praised. The praise will come from God, and the praise will come from people who value what God says. So instead of fearing what other people think about, start fearing God enough to make your life about Him, learning to trust Him. Instead of letting people be big and God be small in our lives, we have to turn that around the other way and let let God be big and people be small. That's what fearing God is all about. Proverbs 19, verse 23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. Don't you want that kind of life? A life of satisfaction, a life of rest and peace, a life where you do things that really, really matter. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it. So, we want God to be big and people to be small. Now, that doesn't mean that people aren't important. People are important, right? God the Father sent His Son to die for them. They're important. They are important to God and they should be important to us. But the idea is, God never intended for you to. Let me back up. So, there's a role of God in your life, He's the one who is responsible for the fact that you even exist. Right? He's, he's the one who has who determined how the world is supposed to work and what's really important, what matters, and, and then he get, tells us how to, to do the things in a way that, that accomplishes, all this kind of stuff, right? And people are an important part of that. We're to love each other, right? We're to love others the way Christ has loved us, love our neighbors as ourselves. And then what we do is we say, okay, this people, oh, this person is really important, and now we give this person God's role in our lives to make me feel okay, to make me feel approved, to make me feel accepted. See, that's where we, we miss the point. People are important, but they make lousy gods. People make really lousy gods, including you, including me. God needs to be big, they need to be small. And it's that comparison that we're talking about when we talk about fearing the Lord. That's comparison. To bring us all into focus, let's look at Proverbs chapter 14, page 740 in the Bible that's in the pew. Two verses here in Proverbs chapter 14. Starting in verse 26. It says... In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence. Let's stop right there. Strong confidence in the fear of the Lord. Let's back that out and think of it the other way. How about if you're trying to compare yourself to other people? How much confidence do you have? If you have any, it's very tenuous. How about when you're trying, you know, what other people think of you? Letting that determine who you are and what you're about. Do you have strong co- No. You don't have confidence because it's always changing. You never count on it. It's going to change, but in the fear of the Lord, when you give Him His rightful place in your life, there is not just confidence, but what? What's the word? There is what kind of confidence? Strong confidence. Strong confidence. Hey, you can walk through life not only being confident, but having strong confidence. And then he says, and His children will have a place of refuge. Uh, Will the world, will you still get beat up by the world when you walk with God? Yeah, you're gonna get beat up by it. what's well, still gonna happen. But guess what? Rather than being stuck with that and trying to figure out how to be okay in the middle of it, no, no, you have a refuge with God. You can come back and say, wait a minute, God, here's here's what's really true, isn't it? That's right. And you can gather with God's people who will, you know, in the same place as you and support you in that. A refuge. And then he says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Uh, let me tell you that when you are focusing on what other people are thinking and, and letting, you know, comparing yourself, that sucks the life out of you. Right? It does. It's, and it exhausts you. But when you say instead of that, people, God's going to be big in my life, then all of a sudden it becomes a fountain of life. It doesn't suck the life out of you. It lets the life flow out through you. And then finally, to turn one away from the snares of death. There's that word again, snare. And so when you fear the Lord, all those things that used to catch you and trap you and and ruin your life, turn your life upside down and control you, you will now be free from those things. Free. 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 You want to be free from all that? You want to be free from being controlled by the world around you, and, and as a result, having your past continue to grow? do. You want to have a fountain of life that just you know bubbles up from within and satisfies and gives you a hope that you won't be let down and all of those things. If you want that, you know what you need to do. You need to fear the Lord. That means you need to surrender yourself to Him. You need to acknowledge that He is indeed the biggest, most important, most awesome, most whatever you want to say in your life. In other words, you need to start fearing God. And then start living by it in a very specific way. You see, there are many opinions about you out there in the world. So we want to call those other people's opinions, others' opinions, right? And then there's God's opinion. And then finally, there's your opinion. Okay, so three three sets of opinions here: other people's opinions, God's opinion, and your opinion. Well, other people's opinions are fickle. Sometimes they're true, many times they're not, and they're almost always wrong in some way because, at best, they have imperfect knowledge. And because of their opinions, because of this, their opinions cannot be trusted as the basis for what you believe and how you live. Then there's God's opinion. God's opinion is always true. It's always right. It's 100% true. 100% of the time, he never misses and he's on your side. His opinion then almost doesn't, you don't almost want to call it an opinion, do you? But we're going to use that word for it. His opinions can always be trusted. And they provide the perfect basis for what you should believe and how you should live your life. What is God's opinion of you? How valuable are you to God? Well, how do we know? What did He pay for you? He paid an infinite price for you. So there's God's opinion of you. And then there's your opinion. And your opinion is really a choice at this point. Because even though you know yourself better than other people, you really don't know yourself perfectly the way God does. So other people's opinions, God's opinion, your opinion. And that makes three opinions, and that's a problem. Because ultimately, only two opinions count at any given point in time. Only two opinions. Your opinion and which of the other opinions you think is right. Those two opinions are going to determine what you, where you go and what you experience in life. Your opinion and which of those other two, your opinion really about which of those other two opinions is right. So if it's your opinion... That other people's opinions are the most important thing for you to consider and live by and that you're going to align your opinion with other people's opinions, you will never get past your past. Your approach to life will hold you captive to the same lies and misconceptions that you used to live by and they will continue to wreak havoc in your life. If it's your opinion that God's opinion is the most important thing for you to consider and live by, And that you decide that you're going to align your opinion with God's opinion about everything. Okay, are you with me on this? Hang in here just a little longer. You say, I'm going to align my opinion with with God's opinion, what God says. Then you will begin to be set free from all those things that have controlled you in your past. You will believe the truth and you will act according to the truth and you'll begin to experience all the blessings of God's life in your life. The fountain of life flowing up from within. And without a doubt, you will begin to get past your past and stay past it. So you need to remember this. Every time you stop and think, wait a minute, where am I going? What am I doing? You need to remember that only two opinions count. Your opinion And the one other opinion you're going to choose to govern your life. You need to choose wisely. You need to choose to fear the Lord. Make sure He is big in your life. And make it your opinion that God's opinion is going to be the most important thing in your life. You do that and you will definitely get past your past. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truths from your word and if we live by them, that it sets us free. Oh God, give us a hunger for that freedom. Give us a hunger to know your truth and to live by the truth. I pray, Father, that wherever we're at in our lives and and I, I trust, Lord, that At this moment, we're not deceived about that. That you'd make it really clear to us, but that we would either for the first time or reaffirm or again or whatever it is, Lord, affirm that that we're going to make sure that you're the biggest in our lives. And that our opinion will be that your opinion's right. And we'll live by it. And I do pray, Father, for anyone here today who hasn't entered that relationship with you by trusting Christ as Savior, that they that they might let us know that they have questions about it. Ask a friend here, what's he mean by that? And we can see people come to trust your son, Lord, who you so freely gave. So, Father, free us from being controlled by the world around us and our wrong beliefs about it. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.